Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt, and I am your host today, Peter Karutz, and we are here live in studio with Monsignor Midas, and the name of our program is Lent with a Purpose. I think that Lent thing is coming up pretty quickly. Very quickly, Peter. It's hard upon us, as they used to say. That's right, hard upon us, and we have so much to talk about today. Lent, of course, will be our focus, but we're going to talk a little bit about Catholic Schools Week. We have Catholic Marriage Week coming up. Uh, I need to make sure that we at least tell you a little bit about what's going on at St. Um, St. Um, uh, Angela Marisi, where Monsignor is the pastor. I almost didn't get it out. They're mm-hmm. a great friend of the Archdiocese, a great friend to St. Joseph Radio, and oh my goodness, so much is going on there. But one of the things that is a condition of my employment is that we are always supposed to start with a prayer and um, so that I don't get fired and we do what we're <laughs> supposed to do. We all have to be obedient. Monsignor, would you please start us with a prayer? Obedience is a good thing, Peter, a very good thing. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Or I try people's patience. (laughs) So let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come and enlighten us with the light from above, that our minds may be enlightened to the knowledge of divine truth. Inflame our hearts with the fire of divine love, that everything we think, do, and say during this next hour may come from you, and give us a deeper and fuller love of you. May the knowledge we gain help us to love you more, and from this great love come to serve you more faithfully. We ask these things in Jesus' name, our Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And it is the year of St. Joseph. Absolutely. And I just want to take this moment, Father and Monsignor, you were uh, making me think about it as you were praying. Look, if you're listening to this radio program at this time on this station, you know, you are listening and cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You may not be Catholic, hmm. but you are being called by our Lord to to do something here today, to listen, to evangelize. You know, by virtue of our baptism, that is what we all should be doing, is spreading the good word Absolutely. to the whole world. Yes. So, Monsignor, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Monsignor uh, also does a little bit of a series we have called This We Believe. They're mm-hmm. great. You can find them on our website, which I'll mention uh, later on in the program. After the break, we're going to open up our phone lines. I'll give you the number now so you can write it down, and then I'll remind you later on, 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. I'll say it faster next time. And we are going to be talking about Lent with a Purpose. We're doing it again, Monsignor. <laughs> we do it every single year. What's going to be different about this year? Well, we need it, you know. That's why we do it every year. It's just like breathing, you know. We just took a breath, and now we take another one because, well, we need to. It's, it keeps us going. You know, I'd like to start talking about Lent um, with the number 40. 40, okay. 
Now, this is interesting because the number 40 pops up an awful lot in the Bible. The number of days that it rained during the flood of Noah, 40. The number of nights that it rained in the flood of Noah, 40. The number of years the Israelites wandered through the desert, 40. 40. <laughs> the number of days Jesus was in the wilderness, 40. The number of days from the birth of a firstborn male to the purification and dedication of the ah. temple, 40. You know, 80 in the case of a girl. It's beyond my <laughs> Well, control. they're double They're double good. <laughs> there you go. Girls, I yeah. love the way you think. <laughs> but the number 40 apparently is drawn from nature. Uh, somebody pointed out that the human gestation period, the number of the amount of time you spend in your mother's womb is 40 weeks. And so if you notice that all the times that 40 appears in the Bible, it's usually with some kind of purification attached to it. The flood of Noah, certainly the world was sinful, needed to be reestablished, and so the flood came. Uh, the number of years in the wilderness, well, they had been a sinful generation, and so they would pass out, pass away before they were allowed to enter the promised land. Uh, the understanding was that a woman was impurified according to ritual purity among the Jews, and she needed purification after 40 days. So that number was a regeneration. It takes 40 weeks to generate a person. Mm. It takes 40 units of something, days, whatever, to regenerate. And that so, seems to be drawn from nature. You know, Mark Twain was famous for saying that quitting smoking was the easiest thing in the world. He had done it several hundred times himself. You know? <laughs> He's good at it. Yeah. Very good, you know. And it's the same thing. You know, if you can quit for a day, well, that's no big deal. You know, if you can quit for 40 days, well, you've got something going. And so I think that the whole idea, obviously, the number 40 in, in terms of Lent is drawn from the 40 days Jesus spent. It's meant to be our imitation and reliving of that great event. You know, every year the church tries not just to recall, but to actually relive the events that saved us from the life of Jesus, you know, beginning with not just his birth, but his, the preparation for his birth with Advent. Then at Christmas time, we celebrate his birth and the different things that go along with that, the epiphany and the presentation and all that. Um, then we have the ordinary time, which corresponds to Jesus's public life. It's the longest season we have because it is the longest part of Jesus's you know, ministry, and then, of course, Lent and Easter. But the Lent is the reenactment, the reliving of Jesus's 40 days. And uh, through the fasting and prayer, we come to a real renewal of ourselves. The whole idea is that we should wind up on Easter different people from when we started. <laughs> That's the whole idea. Um, you know, there's a lot of people you know, you, th you do things as a ticket punch. I just met with a young couple this morning who, who I'm getting ready for marriage, and I'm spelling out all the different requirements they had to do, and I just said, look, you know, this can just be just a ticket punch, something you do through, go through because you have to, or it could be something that really does make a difference in your life. It's up to you. Yeah. The ball's in your court. But it's the same thing here. You know, Lent is not just the ticket punch we pull. It's something that we should make ourselves different people. I'll tell a story that when I was in the seminary, Cardinal Glennon College, back in those days, we had a priest who was in charge of discipline. That was his job, but he was called the Dean of Men. We called him the Prefect of Discipline. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're more honest. We, you know, Dean of Men doesn't quite tell the whole story. But all of my, my brother priests will know exactly who I'm talking about, so I'm not going to mention his name uh. because it, I think he still has relatives here in St. Louis. But he was always in a bad mood, uh. <laughs> and even more so during Lent because he quit smoking. Oh, boy. 
And that really raised him to a higher threshold of peak, you know. And it got to the point where, you know, uh, we would drop, we'd walk by his room and drop packs of cigarettes, hoping he'd light one up, <laughs> give us an easier time. And I'd hate to use him as a bad example, but, you know, uh, obviously that's not what Lent is all about. You don't no. give up stuff just for the sake of giving up stuff. True. It's to make you a, a better person, to dispose you more to the grace God sends, yeah. One of my favorite books that I discovered late in life and was a shame that I'd never heard of it before because a, a Protestant, um, uh, actually, uh, professor mm-hmm. asked me my opinion of the book. Oh, okay. Uh, the Imitation of Christ oh, by Thomas right, sure. no, The classic. second most published book in the history of man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and I remember the first time I, I, I opened it just to peek inside, and I'll quote him badly, but it said just, he said, just imagine that if each year you could abandon one vice and replace mm, it with one yeah. virgin, one, one a year. Mm. And, you know, when you were talking about 40 days, I thought, yeah. you know, even psychologists will tell us that a habit can be formed and changed mm-hmm. in 30, 40 days. Yeah, yeah. Stands to reason. Mm-hmm. Parenthetically, I just thought I'd throw this in. Uh, I understand that Henry Aaron, who just passed away, the great oh. home run king, used to keep a copy of The Imitation of Christ in his locker. I didn't know. Wow. I read somewhere he became Catholic somewhere along the line. Well, he's a smart guy. <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> there's, some, there's a real connection between the long ball, home runs, and Catholicism. I, I think. think so. I, I, I think so. You know, and, and some great converts took a oh, long yeah. time to, oh, yeah. to, to, yeah. uh, to convert. Uh, one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope I get the number right, but I I think I, heard, I saw something that he wrote where he said he actually came to the conclusion that the Catholic Church was the one true church, mm-hmm. and it took him 14 years mm-hmm. to take that next yeah. step. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's human nature. You it know, is. It's, it's um, yeah, why do we pause? Why do we hesitate? But we, we do. do. You know, we do. It's weakness we, we have. But the whole thing about Lent is that and again, we, we take upon things like fasting. Right. You know, every year on Ash Wednesday, the gospel's always the same, and it's Jesus telling us how to fast. You know, comb your hair, wash your face, don't let people know that you're fasting. And I think it kind of corresponds. I remember when I was back at Kenrick, we had a, a scripture professor who was very, very good. And scripture scholars, some of the most, the cleverest people around, they see stuff and they can infer stuff. And, Absolutely. And, and it's amazing. And there's the story of, you know, and you, you know it from the gospel where they come up to Jesus and say, how come our disciples fast, the disciples of John fast, your guys don't fast? And Jesus is a perfectly good rabbi. He always answers the question with a question, you know. <laughs> he never says, yeah, you're right, yes or no. He just says, well, how can you expect him to fast if bridegroom is with them? But the professor made the interesting point, and this is conjecture. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, it is, the text does not contain this. This is sure. that you're extrapolating apart from the text. But that the reason why they asked the question was not because Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. They probably were fasting. They just weren't doing it the way that was typically done, that you'd walk around with a crepe over your face. Oh, I'm suffering, you know, oh, terrible, you know. They always had a smile on their face. Yeah. They were doing this to draw closer to God. Yeah. And that being the case, why should you be gloomy and why should Absolutely. you be despondent? It should be something you embrace. As the apostles themselves, after Christ's resurrection and ascension, they would give rejoicing that they were called upon to suffer. You know, I mean, that's, that's the attitude that we embrace in this holy season. The whole idea being that 
through the uh, intentional self-denial of suffering and, and suffering of, of length of fasting and abstinence and all that, uh, it makes us better disposed to the grace that God sends. If you look, look at the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, he's a big, strong advocate of fasting and other forms of self-denial, you know, uh, you know, sleep deprivation, even self-flagellation, mm. to, you know, obviously within limits. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea is that he starts with the premise that what Jesus said is true, that when you ask the Father for something, he's going to send it to you. Right. And if you don't get it, it's not because he didn't send it to you, it's because you're, you're blocking it. Yeah. And you need to remove that blockage, and the best way to do that is through some kind of a share in Christ's suffering, which is what fasting is all about. I used to think it was when I was a kid that, you know, you made God feel sorry for you, <laughs> kind of like holding your breath to your sure. turn blue, you know, oh, he's going to feel sorry for me now and give me what I want. Well, no, it's not to change God, it's to change me, to make me more receptive to the grace that God does send me, and that's why we do these things. And again, with the understanding that... When Easter rolls around, we're a better, different person, a better person than when Ash Wednesday started. Monsignor, you said do as well. I mean, we talk yeah. about oh, giving yeah. up, but right. part of something, sometimes when we're giving something up, we're actually doing something. Exactly. Works of, of charity, right. which a lot of people are emphasizing that now. And I, I think that's a good thing, you know. But I think we should not give up on the idea of self-deprivation sure. through fasting, you know, uh, giving up candy or, or watching TV or something. I've gotten to a habit lately, last couple of months, of, uh, and I've, I've rationalized it for my high blood pressure. I take some oh. dark, ta- dark chocolate every night, you know? Oh, okay. Well, a, a, a little piece, you know? Just, just that little. Can you see me holding up? Just that little. But when you take six or eight of them, they're not mm. such a little piece anymore. <laughs> and... You know, but I thought that's a good thing. Well, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I I'm going to give that up, and hopefully, at least in the beginning, when I give it up, I will remember why I'm giving it up. Yeah, I think that's what fasting does. It, it, and not that a hunger pain mm-hmm. is good. Well, it can be, I guess. Yeah. But when we are fasting, when we do feel hungry, yeah. we're going to remember why we're doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. The the way fasting works is that when you find yourself hungry. Uh, you don't have a, a dark chocolate or anything. What you do is you pray. And it's amazing how much more focused your prayer is. I mean, just from a physical, physiological standpoint, um, you're more alert, you're more focused, um, and I, I, you're less distracted. I find that in myself, and I've had other people tell me the same thing, you know, whom I, to whom I've recommended fasting, not as part of Lent, but as part of you know, discipline or as a penance or something. And they all come up and say, wow, you know, it's amazing how that works. And it does. It and it really does. does. Yeah. It does. And, and the suffering helps, too. And I, I have mm-hmm. a thought on that. But I better tell you that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. <laughs> and we have Monsignor Midas here live in studio. And today's topic is Lent with a Purpose. Yeah. Father, Monsignor, I, I'm going to s- slip on that a good bit. So <laughs> I, I love you as a Monsignor, and I slip talking to and calling you Father. You know who I interviewed not too long ago? No. Uh, was Cardinal Burke. Oh, my goodness, and, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I knew him when he was, knew him. Yeah. I knew of him when he was yeah. our archbishop. And I, I mean, and I'll tell you, he's, he's such a, a personable guy. You, don't, you mm-hmm. wouldn't think so. Oh. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. Yes. But we sat, we're talking, yeah. and half the time I'm calling him Father. And I finally, <laughs> I said, I am so sorry. 
And he said, no, I said, what am I, one of the best things I have? It's a great title for a man to have It's a great title. Yeah. But we were talking about yeah. suffering and how it calls to mind. When, when sure. I was 15, I was diagnosed with a degenerative eye condition. Okay. And over the years, my eyesight has just continued to get worse and worse oh, and worse. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I couldn't pass the driver's test anymore. My and my sister-in-law, who is an ophthalmologist, mm-hmm said to me, you need to have this procedure done. It's mm-hmm. not FDA approved, but you need to do it. Mm-hmm. So I did. And, um, and after the surgery, the nurse, who I loved, because mm-hmm. uh, I was awake during the whole thing, she gave me this little bottle. Mm-hmm. And she says, this is the emergency bottle, the emergency drops. If you can't stand the pain, take them. Know that the surgery will be less successful. And I... I'm like, look, you give me pain medication, it shouldn't be a problem. I got to tell you, I don't remember ever being in so much pain in my life. Wow. I was in the basement, in the dark, no lights, just, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember saying my rosary Mm -hmm. that night, maybe more than one. Yeah. Yeah. There is intensity Mm -hmm. when you pray in suffering. Yes. And whether it's self-imposed or it is imposed on you, Mm It is something that connects us closer to yeah. our Lord. Yeah. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, in one of his treatises, talks about the, the, he contrasts the sufferings of the souls in purgatory with the sufferings of the souls in hell. Ah. And he says that the same thing, basically the same thing. The same pains that the people in hell have are also experienced by the people in purgatory. But the big difference, the only difference, and the difference that makes all the difference is that the people in purgatory suffer with charity. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a great example of this in the story of, uh, as St. Luke tells it, of, of Jesus crucified with the two thieves. Mm-hmm. You had the one thief, whom we call Justice, who cursed him. You know, hey, you know, if you're this big Messiah, get me down from this cross, and you too, if you're who you really say you are. And the other one, whom we call Dismas, said, no, I mean, you know, uh, we deserve this. I mean, he, this man is innocent, but we deserve it, you know. And now the, justice is symbolic of the people in hell. You know, they're in hell be- for the bad things they've done, but they're mad about it, and they're, you know, disgusted and, you know, angry, and, and they'll be in hell forever because of that disgust and anger, whereas the people in purgatory are like Dismas, you know, to whom Jesus said, you know, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Because they accept it and say, yeah, okay, you know, I, I haven't been, you know, 100% 90 degrees perpendicular in my life. I've done some terrible things that I need to atone for. And with that understanding, it's amazing how, yeah, the suffering is becomes redemptive. Dismas put, well, you said it, Dismas yeah. put a purpose to his suffering. Exactly. And uh, it reminds me of uh, John Paul's uh, encyclical uh, Sylvific Dolores, and I think on mm-hmm. the first page yeah. of it, he quotes uh, Colossians one twenty four. Ah, well, yes, I feel my own flesh the sufferings lacking in the passion of Christ. What in the world is that? My goodness, oh. you know, isn't that something? I don't know. I, I it's a difficult passage to explain, but this is how this is my take on it. Yeah, that. Um, that Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he was filled with sin, not his, but yeah. ours, yeah. You know, and he had taken every sin ever committed by the human race onto himself, which is why he looked like the worst sinner of all time. He was beaten. I mean, if you saw the Gibson movie, my oh, goodness, yeah. it really it spares us nothing. You know? right. I mean, really. 
But he was the worst sinner of all time. He had taken our guilt onto himself. We did the crime, but he accepted the punishment. And because he was paying the price of every sin, uh, he literally suffered like nobody has ever been made to suffer before or since. And when he died, all the sins of the world died with him and stayed dead, but mm-hmm. he did not. Mm-hmm. And the understanding is that, well, that's great, but the world hasn't stopped sinning, has that's it? That's right. Yeah. Who, who atones, who makes reparation for those sins? Well, Christ does. Yeah. Not in his physical body, because it doesn't have one anymore, but in his mystical body, the church. Right. That this is what we talk about. We talk about the priesthood of the laity, mm-hmm. that each one of us, when our, we offer up our sufferings, that's what priesthood is, offering a sacrifice. When we offer our own sufferings as a sacrifice, it's amazing how redemptive they become, how powerful they become. And uh, Satan had never trembled so much in his life as to see Jesus crucified. because he, And I love the way Gibson portrayed it in that movie, that the devil just went crazy when Jesus actually died on the cross. All his, tempt, his last famous last temptation come down from that cross. Right. Be like the rest of us. Right. You know. Yeah, and and um, we don't have a heresy bell here when I usually speak like this, but I, I've thought about that a lot too. And yeah. this this one Protestant minister asked me about it, and he said they don't allow their pastors to preach on that until uh-huh. they've been a pastor for five years, yeah. and then they don't allow them to preach on that. <laughs> but what what I w- thought yeah. is, yeah. our Lord has shared His ministry mm-hmm. with us in so many ways. He, yeah. you, you, when you uh, when when you say mass, you mm-hmm. are you are you, you say this is my body it isn't you but it's christ right. there he's yeah. sharing the ministry you forgive exactly. our sins but exactly. it's christ exactly he's sharing our ministry and i and in some ways maybe he's shared us with us the opportunity to participate mm-hmm. in his great act you know yes. what 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 i rejoice yeah. in the suffering of god you know as a father yeah. my my daughters and i when they were very very little we used to uh make pancakes every Saturday morning. <laughs> and I had one in one arm and one in the other, and I would let them pour a little bit and mix a little bit and yeah. shift, sift a yeah. little bit and measure a little bit. I didn't need them to, mm. make, to make the pancakes, yeah. but I wanted them to. Yes. I think God wants us to participate. That and also, you know, if you, the, the catechism is very, very good on this. It talks about the whole idea of redemptive suffering, yeah. which, of course, is what Christ, that's how he paid the price of the human race. You know, uh, there's one parable about the man owed his master 10,000 talents, which it, it's, a talent was a, you could buy a battleship in those days yeah. with one talent. I mean, we're talking about a money, even the, the Congress couldn't build Something up a debt like that. Something he could yeah. never repay. Exactly. That's the whole point. And, and, but the point is Christ paid it. And look, at the, look what he had to go through. Yeah. That's why we call it his precious blood, because it paid the price. The word precious and price come, I think, have the same root word. It's this precious blood because it paid the price of our suffering. And again, the human race still suffers, and Christ still suffers too in his mystical body, the church, of which we are a member. And, um, you know, I found that out in a very graphic way when I mm. was a kid. Uh, my I had a grandmother lived in Highland, Illinois. It was like an hour drive from where I grew I up in Chicago. Oh, God. I know it. There <laughs> you go. go. Well, we lived in South St. Louis, and in the, in the long trip for a kid, you get bored, you know, oh, and so yeah. I'd amuse myself. I'm not, a, I'm not proud to admit this, but <laughs> I'm admitting it to the whole world, so yeah. here it's out there. No one's listening. It's just <laughs> oh, us. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for that assurance. Yeah. That I would, you know, pick on my sister and oh, you know, good start you. hit her and things, and, and she'd say, Mom, Ma, Ma, he's hitting on me, he's hitting on me. And my mom would turn to me and say, did you hit your sister? And I said, I thought I was really clever. Yeah, I yeah. said, no. 
my hand did. <laughs> well, she would take my hand and start slapping it real hard. And say, ah. I got the point real fast that what my hand did, yeah. I did. There you, you know? go. Well, each one of us is a part of Christ. You know, you may be a pancreas or a, you know, whatever, yeah. fingernail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, one of the lower parts. But still, we're all part of Christ. And when we suffer, Christ suffers. Right. That was the argument that St. Paul used with the Corinthians, why they should behave themselves. Because right. when you misbehave, you're making Christ a sinner. Mm-hmm. And you put it that way, yeah, that really is. Um, it all ties together. It all coheres beautifully. And so when St. Paul says, I give thanks that I fill up in my own flesh the sufferings lacking in the passion of Christ for yeah. the sake of what? His body, His the church. His body, the church. There it is. There it is. Yeah. And, and I think the purpose, one of the, we're tying this together. It all ties together. Don't mm-hmm. worry. We're yeah. talking about Lent with a purpose. Right. And, you know, John Paul wrote very well, and in, in, uh, here am I complimenting a saint, uh, in <laughs> Solific Dolores. We know as Catholics that suffering does have a purpose. Suffering yeah, is yeah, efficacious yeah. if we if we do it in the proper fashion. I, I think it's uh, Fulton Sheen who was yeah. passing a hospital who said, "Look at all. I don't know how does it look at all the wasted suffering. The wasted suffering, right? Wasted yeah, suffering. Yeah. So when when we are suffering, whether it's imposed yeah. on us or we yeah. impose it upon ourselves, we need to do it with a purpose. Yeah." Bishop Sheen is another great source for this. I think as he came toward the end of his own life and ministry, I think he appreciated more and more all the time the place of suffering. And mm. uh, as, I mean, he was he was in pretty bad shape. Was know? he? I didn't know. Oh, yeah. He had a very bad heart. And um, I mean, physically speaking, I mean, his right, heart right, was right, wonderful. Yeah. But um, I remember actually he was in St. Louis the last time was in I was in my third year at Kenrick and I actually got a t- chance to meet him. Oh wow. He came to a convention big convention downtown on religious life. He gave a powerful sermon. I still remember his words, you know, uh, about redemptive suffering basically. And uh, and I remember I, I thought he was like seven foot three, you know. <laughs> he was a giant. He's actually a little bitty guy. Yeah. He was kind of frail, very frail. Wow. And uh and I thought, my goodness! And yet he was offering it all up. You could just tell, and um, and in most of the, the the talks that he gave around that time to the last stages of his life are so much more on suffering, and with that understanding, that I fill up in my own flesh the sufferings lacking of the passion of Christ. Yeah, and there's that music. We okay. are just going to remind you that when we come back, we got a bunch of announcements to make. I can't believe we have so many. We're going to talk about St. Angela Marisi and the speaker series, which will be every Friday. We'll talk about that a little bit. First Saturday there's a, and first Friday, we have something at Angela Marisi as well. We'll talk about that. We're going to open up our phone lines. I'll give you the number right now, 636-447-6000, which I will repeat later on. And uh, we're going to talk more about Lent. And uh, what we've said a few times, offering it up. Sometimes I don't think we say that a whole lot anymore, but we used to. (laughs) We used to. We're here again live in St. Louis, Missouri with Monsignor Midas. Please call a friend, tell them to tune in. We have some important stuff to talk about, about Lent that's coming up very quickly. Ash Wednesday, in another way, I guess we're going to have a different Ash Wednesday. Come back and see us in just a few minutes. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students. 
recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, we're back, and this is Peter Karutz, your host. We're with Monsignor Midas. Uh, from St. Angela Marisi. So let me first tell you a, a few things that are going on. We are coming up to Lent, and we have a Lenten speaker series sponsored by St. Joseph Radio, and it will be at St. Angela Marisi. We have great speakers. A good friend of, a friend of mine, Fred Vilbig, will be speaking on the 19th. Uh, Father Hopping will be speaking on the 26th. It, it goes on and on. These are great, great Folks, you can find more information about this at our website, Saint S A I N T Joseph Radio.org, and you'll find all of that information there. Also, on first Friday and first Saturday at St. Angela Marisi, yes. there's an opportunity for some prayer. Yes, absolutely. This is something our parish has been doing for a, forever. You know, we have a, a holy hour for the sanctification of the parish on the first Friday evening. Now we're going to have mass and the holy hour afterwards. Now during Lent, we have stations of the cross. So, you know, but uh, it's something we've been doing and it's, it's something that has been very well received and it works very well. Um, and then on Saturday, there's a opportunity for mass and, and I'll, maybe I'll belabor this just a little bit because th there is mass and then a little get together and mm -hmm. very, very small and, and then a speaker afterwards. Yes, yes. And we'll talk about that, but why first Saturday, Father? Well, because of you know the first Saturday mass and the promises made and, and um, it, along with first Friday too, um, but it's for Our Lady. And yeah. um, you know when the, the the calendar allows, and it really is something that uh, the like I say the people have embraced and the people understand it and and it's um, the benefits are showing. My men's group used to take a we call it a field trip because we would meet on Saturday morning at mm -hmm. uh, six o'clock, but we would take a field trip on Saturdays because I guess every Saturday is a feast of Our Lady. Mm. But first Saturday, we would go to a particular parish, actually for a Latin Mass, and we, yeah. we would do it. And I don't remember, Father, I think it's five or seven first Saturdays in a row. Yeah. yeah. And there's a few other conditions for the plenary indulgence, which yes. includes um, making a worthy confession, mm -hmm. going to uh, Holy Communion, of course, mm -hmm. uh, 
meditating on um, the, um, well, you have to say five decades of a mm-hmm. rosary yeah. and meditate on the scripture for right. 20 minutes, I think. Not yeah. not insurmountable no, stuff. this is stuff you'd be doing anyway, you yeah. know, and come to Mass every Saturday. Man. Come to Mass every Saturday, every Saturday. <laughs> What's keeping you? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. One more announcement, if I could. We are, this is terribly important, the Catholic Man of the Year. We're going to have that again. We're looking for nominations. They are open. Um, if you know a good man, um, please nominate him. And l- let me just tell you up front. So first off, go to our website, saintjosephradio.org, and, and get an application. And if you find a good man who you think should be nominated for a St. Louis Catholic Man of the Year, be certain about this. The first thing out of his mouth is, I don't want to be nominated. <laughs> it happens every single yeah, time. Yeah. But, you know, this is not for them per se, but it's for the example. We need to encourage people, and having good men like that is a great example. So please pick up a nomination, fill it out, and, and tell us about a great Catholic man. Please, mm-hmm. please do that. Um, so we talked about the speaker series. Friday, Saturday, boy, we got a few things down there. There's one thing, you know, that our parish, we're on kind of the north end of North County, but we're very easy to find. We're right on Lindbergh. And right, easy to get to. Right between the two Halls Ferries, between Absolutely. New and Old Halls Ferry, and we're right on Lindbergh, and there we are. Yeah. Also, again, the website I mentioned it. Please uh, visit it. You could find a lot of what Monsignor Midas has done on there. Just search Monsignor Midas with this we believe, and there's great stuff there. So I promise to say the uh, give us the telephone number slowly this time, and I will. Tell us about maybe what you're going to do for Lent, or what we you might recommend that we all do for Lent. The number is six three six four four seven. 6,000, I'll also remind you that we are recording this uh, video recording, and it'll be on YouTube shortly, and you can find a link uh, on our website as well. So, uh, Monsignor, I know I have a good Benedictine friend, and he says that for Lent every year they have to do something, mm-hmm. give something up, mm-hmm. and read a spiritual book. Ah, wonderful advice. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I really can't top that. That's, yeah. If, you, if a person does that, again, with the proper understanding that this is not just something you do for the sake of doing it. It's not an end in itself. You don't, at the end of the Absolutely. you say, I, well, I did that, and now I can move on and get back to where I was. No, the understanding, again, is that you make yourself a different person, a better one. And I think it, you know, there's some, as you said, there's some naturalness about this. I, I remember I was in my office and I was mad about a phone call and I had some of my uh, colleagues in there, one, one man who wasn't my partner at the time. And I, I, I was, man, I was cussing a blue streak. I mean, I was <laughs> mad. And uh, just a moment later, I thought, oh, geez, it's uh, Lent is here. What, what am I going to give up? And he looks yeah. at me and he says, how about cussing? <laughs> You know, you give it up for 40 days, you kind of give it up. Give it up, yeah. Yeah. Find different ways of expressing your, your outrage. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah. and step two was maybe yeah. don't be so outraged. Yeah. Yeah. So we can give things up, and we're changed. Yeah. That's the understanding, I mean, and, and, we, and we do need it. You know, that's, you know, anybody who says, I don't need this, <laughs> we, you know, um, I always tell people, you know, uh, I, I've had people over the years tell me that, you know, I really don't need to do all this stuff and, you know, I don't know what my sins would be. And I said, well, do you live with somebody? Well, yeah. 
Ask them what your sins are. <laughs> and in humility, listen to what they have to say. You know? That's a great, great uh, idea. You have a vocation, Father. I have a vocation. Exactly. And um, you know, one of those things we might do in, yeah. during Lent with a purpose is give something up for your spouse. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Is it, it, it? And I think, I think, mm-hmm. prayer is efficacious. Yes. Suffering is efficacious. Yeah. And if you if you do something, you give up whatever it is you get. I gave up. Actually, it wasn't Lent. I gave up Facebook yeah. for my wife. Okay. And every time I want to go there, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? I'm thinking about my wife. Mm-hmm. So I think that Lent mm-hmm. can also be for ourselves, yeah. but I think it can be for somebody else too. Yeah. Again, the understanding is that we do these things to change us, to open us up to the grace that God gives us. Uh, we ask God for things, and we know that Jesus said, ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. And that if you're asking and you're not getting it, it's because you're blocking it. And, and there's no better way than some kind of work of self-denial to clear that blockage and open the channel that we really do receive the grace that God wants you to have mm-hmm. and, and to live it. And it's appropriate to, to give something up for your spouse. I guess we're coming up on mm-hmm. um, Catholic Marriage Week mm-hmm. coming yes. up. Yes. And um, um, we, um, you were talking about how Christ, um, well, I don't know, displayed himself or mm-hmm. called himself. How many times does our Lord call himself the bridegroom? Yes. Right? You know, the, 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 the canopy uh, at the cathedral, that is mm-hmm. a marriage canopy, mm-hmm. right? So there are so many... Um, uh, comparisons to God's love for us, the people, the bride, yeah. to uh, to God's love for us as a as, as bridegroom. Yeah. So what a great time to do something for your spouse. Yeah. And again, you know, it's it's not to change God. You know what? Uh, I mean, think about it. just unpack that for a second. Yeah. When you ask God for something, what you're really doing is telling God that you know He's not doing things right. It'd be better if he did things this way. <laughs> I, I tell him what I want all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Say, Lord, you know, if you really knew what you're doing, you'd give me this. Absolutely. You know? And uh, and you think about it. You know, you got a being who's imperfect telling a perfect being he needs to change. And uh, when a perfect being changes, what does he become? Imperfect. Yeah. You don't want God to change. No. <laughs> Why would you? You know. No. We're the ones that need to change, and and I think part of the humility of Lent is embracing that, that we need to change. You remind me, I, I taught confirmation for 12 years, and uh, I'd always ask the, the young people to give us a question, right? Mm-hmm. Something they don't understand or don't believe, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we you, we said the same thing. God is immutable and changeable. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. perfect, yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. And... and um, uh, so someone said, so he can't change his mind? I said, no, no, there's no, no it's, it's, he's unchangeable. He says, yeah. why do we pray? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I said, God knows you so well mm-hmm. that at the moment of creation, mm-hmm. he, he loves you so much. He <laughs> took your prayer into consideration. So pray yeah. so he can hear what he knows <laughs> you're going to do. You know, yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that's circular logic, but he does. Our Lord loves us so much that he wants us to pray. He yeah. wants us to ask. He loves yeah. us so much. As a father, I I want my children to tell yeah. me what they want. Maybe yeah. I don't give it to them, but I, yeah. I want them to tell me. I want them to come to me. Right. If nothing else, it affirms your fatherhood. I remember when I was a kid, the other kids in the neighborhood all got an allowance. Every Saturday morning, their dad would put a quarter, half dollar, whatever, yeah. on their dresser, and that yeah. was their money for the week. And my dad would never do that. Uh, and uh, I kept saying, Dad, could I have an allowance? 
And he said, no. <laughs> and I was, you know, and I didn't understand why. And But I'd, I'll be honest, any time I needed money, I'd go to him and he'd give it to me. You know, yeah. whatever I needed, you know, okay, he gave it to me. Yeah. And one day he explained to me, he said, son, I want you to understand that this is not something you get just because you're entitled. This is something I give you because I'm your father. Because I love and you. I love you, yeah. And I want yeah. you to understand that this comes from me. And it's not something that just you deserve or earn or something that, that you, you know, you can have a claim on me. It's just something I give you. I didn't understand a word he said. <laughs> I still wanted the, the crazy allowance, you know. But uh, but now as I grow older, I see the wisdom that yeah. man had. And uh, and again, he never denied me anything. Right. And um, but it affirmed his fatherhood and what fatherhood really means. And and, and fatherhood and love is especially yeah. is sacrificial, yeah. right? You know, I, I I guest spoke at one of the confirmation classes, which I I really I love it. I miss it so much, Father. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. But one of the kids, really, he was sort of a he he, he spoke up. Let's say, <laughs> okay. And he said, he said. If God is all good, yeah. why does God send people to hell? Mm. And I ignored his question. But uh, a few minutes later, I, I walked over to his desk, and I mm-hmm. took out my wallet, and I put $20 on his desk. Mm-hmm. And he says, he interrupted me. He said, what is this? I said, that's $20. Yeah. He said, uh, what's it for? I said, that's for you. Yeah. And he said, he's baffled. He <laughs> says, he said, do I deserve it? I said, no way. <laughs> he says, I don't want it. I said, okay. And I put it back in my wallet. And mm-hmm. we carried on with class. Mm-hmm. And we went, we went on for a little bit. And he says, is that $20 still available? <laughs> I said, yeah. You know, what does God give us? God gives us something mm-hmm. that is immeasurable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Un, un, nothing we could possibly yeah. earn, yeah. but it's there. Yeah. It's there for us. All we have to do is say yes, yeah. and, and it and just keeps yeah. flowing. Why does he do this? Because he loves us. Yeah. He absolutely loves us. And there are those people that say, I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what it is, but I don't want it. I don't want it. And Pesky free will. Yeah. <laughs> say, how could the, you know, there, there were, years ago, there was a great, I hate to say this, but great theological beer commercial. Oh, good. When we had Stroh's, remember Stroh's <laughs> I beer? Do. Oh, my I gosh. It wasn't and, very good. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I take the fifth on that All one. All right. But, but you know, they, they, it's great how they can tell a whole a story in like 15 seconds. You know? Yeah. And you see this guy walking through the desert. Obviously, the desert. I mean, he's in a bad way. And you see his footprints go all the way back to the horizon that he's been walking through the desert for a long time. Then it fades into he's on his knees. You know. And then it fades to he's actually crawling. This man is dehydrated. He's really in bad shape. We comes across this old prospector who. Uh, says, well, stranger, what do you want? And he says, do you have a ice-cold glass of Stroh's beer? Uh-huh. He says, no, but I got this beautiful crystal clear water. He says, no, 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 I had a toast for Stroh. <laughs> and he goes crawling off. <laughs> now, it's silly, you know, and it, it makes a point. But, it, it, you know, how, how can you imagine somebody dying of thirst <laughs> refusing a glass of water? That's what we do. And yet that's exactly what happens, sure. You know, we got, you know, we're dying, going to hell, you know. Yeah. And no, I can't. I can't uh, change course. I, I, I it, it, you know, I, I the, the things that in, in my I've been priest almost forty two years now. Uh. The times when I have really been afraid. I mean, just scared, is dealing with what they call final impenitence. Uh-huh. You know, the guy's dying. He knows he's dying. You know, he knows he's dying. He knows you know he knows he's dying. 
And I come to him and say, look, your sister called me, your mother, somebody called and thought you might want to need to see a priest, and they throw you out of the room. Yeah. It's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. That, that's scary stuff. Yeah. Someone uh, used a term for our Lord, and I, I didn't think it was very nice, but it, it makes you think about it. And I, I think the term was the hound of heaven. Uh, yeah. God's after you. I mean, he can throw you out. (laughs) And uh, that man, that impenitent man, God's still after him. Still after him. He's after. Have you ever felt the guy? I want to get back to to Lent here in a moment. We're going to take a station break in a second. But have you ever felt, and I'm talking to you, Father, but everybody, have you ever felt that God is after you? You know, I mean, you keep (laughs) running away. You keep saying no. But he keeps after you. I mean, yeah, you know, yes. There, I think everyone has had times in his life when you really weren't all that close to God, you know, and uh, you really needed a boost. You needed God to be after you, and you, and sometimes, and in my case, they didn't really really realize till many years after the fact that yeah, God was pursuing me. Yeah, that you know, that's, that's the only possible explanation for why how things turned out the way they did. With my vocation, with you know my assignments, the work I've done, the successes I've had, and uh, yeah, you could just see that God was actively there. I heard someone say, "I remember when I first you know changed my life. I took that first step, and God came into my life, and then mm-hmm. I, all these great yeah. things happened. And yeah. now I realize that I didn't take the first step. God was working <laughs> in me already. He was already walking with me and suffering with me and encouraging me. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Kroots, and we're here with Monsignor Midas, and we're talking about Lent with a Purpose. We have a, we, we're in the final part of our program. Maybe we could talk about things people can do. Let me tell you something I've never done. I've, I've thought yeah. about it, and I've never done it, and I, know I haven't even done it once, but I know a bunch of people who take cold showers all Lent. <laughs> I, I, I haven't even done it once. I know there's a lot of tough things you can do, but we yeah. can do simple things, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my daughter... Uh, said, I can't do anything for 40 days. So she, she put together a jar of 40 things, and she said, I can do anything for a day. And she'd pull one thing one out time, every yeah. day. Yeah. What could we do for Lent, Father? Well, I know I used to go every year on retreat up in New Jersey. They had a wonderful program through Seton Hall. Uh, and Father Benedict Rochelle, you oh, yeah, him from EWTN, yeah. wonderful priest, wonderful yeah. man, who was a, he had been a Capuchin. Uh-huh. And now the Capuchins were like the Green Berets of the Franciscan right. movement. Yeah. I mean, these guys were living it. I mean, radical poverty, radical, you name it. Cantalamessa was a Capuchin, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And um, they were always the guys. They were, in fact, they were the fire department in most <laughs> European cities because you know it, it's a dangerous thing, and they'd get the Capuchins. Oh, is to that put right? Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, I thought you. Were, yeah. And no, it's honestly God. And and um, how during the Black Death there were whole Capuchin congregations wiped out to the last man wow. because they stayed behind and they they were the ones. But he said that when he was in the uh, Capuchin Seminary, uh, when Lent came around, it was a real problem because they'd already <laughs> given up everything. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do, lose a finger? Yeah, you give, know. <laughs> yeah, give up breathing and, you know, <laughs> what, what do you do? And um, But there's all kinds of things. And uh, not, nowadays people tend to talk up the proactive things like, you know, works of charity, yeah. volunteering for this or that, um, being generous and giving, almsgiving. Yeah. You know, that was something the apostles used to give as a penance all the time. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. Because, you know, first of all, it's you're sacrificing, which is a good thing. 
and you're materially helping a brother, mm -hmm. which is also a very good thing. Yeah. And so it, um, with the proper understanding that you're not buying your way into paradise, yeah. but, you know, just that this is a, should be a act of deprivation. It shouldn't be just surplus money. And uh, but that's, a, that's always something, too. I think, I think um, I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was St. Francis who said that if you have, an exaggeration today, I guess, but he said if you have two shirts, you're stealing one from the poor. Yeah, yeah. So, but if you have a closet that you can't fit another shirt and maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe the poor are looking for a shirt. Yeah, I understood that St. Gregory said that. Gregory, Is it? Gregory. Okay. I, I don't know. But no, it, I'm, I'm sure, sure you're right. Francis probably said something like it, too. But I, He's I remember, a good guy, too. Oh, yeah. I remember giving a sermon on that once, talking about how in the Catholic understanding of social justice, yeah, whatever is surplus to you doesn't belong to you. Yeah. And if you give it to somebody else, it's not really generosity. It's no, justice. It's justice. Giving yeah. a guy the shirt off your own back, now that's generosity. Yeah. And I remember using the example of shoes. And there was a guy in the parish who apparently had a real thing about his shoes. If I had said shirts or if I had said, yeah. you know, uh, you know, belts or something, it would have been okay. But his shoes, he wasn't going to give up. And I said, okay. Maybe that's why God exactly wants you to give up your shoes because maybe. you're that attached to him. Yeah. Maybe. So maybe go into the Benedictine way. Let's talk about uh, mm -hmm. books. There, there's yeah. a couple of books that I've just loved over the years, and I might just recommend mm -hmm. them for Lent. Um, yeah. If you have ever had trouble reading Revelations and understanding it, I would recommend mm -hmm. The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn. It's a two, mm -hmm. I call yeah. it two books, not one. One yeah. is his study, and I yeah. think he confined his study to pre 250 or 300. I mean, it's real scholarly okay. work. And the yeah. last one is really in the heart. Yeah. Uh, so The Lamb's Supper, absolutely a phenomenal, tough, yeah. but a phenomenal book. Yeah. You got any from Forest Father? You know, we, we talked about the imitation of Christ earlier. Oh. I, I think, you know, there's, it's amazing how many Catholics, especially now, post-Vatican II, have not, are not familiar with the classics. Yeah. And the reason why they're classics is because they're timeless and yeah. because they are sort of foundational. You start with these things, uh, something like the imitation of Christ or the uh, introduction to devout life by Francis de Sales. Uh-huh. I like to reread the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola. I think there's a lot, and his rules for the discernment of spirits. I, of I've never read stuff. that. That's yeah. on my list. I think uh, uh, the Confessions of um, Augustine. Augustine. Yeah. Yep. By the way, I was on vacation and uh, a couple of years back, and I just searched it out. I was listening to it on audio. It's in, pub oh, in the yeah. public domain. So oh, you don't even okay. have to read it, but you could, oh, you could listen okay. to it. Yeah, like I say, because these things are classics, they've been around for a long time, and you know they were foundational in the seminary years ago, before my time even. Uh -huh. And uh, I've had to pretty much pick these things up on my own after ordination, yeah, uh, because they really weren't stressed. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. you know, we had all these modern guys, and they're they're okay, but you know, you got to start with the classics. You do, and I, I well, another classic that I'm about to fail on because I don't know if I'll ever get through it. I I found it at a used bookstore. It's a little pamphlet called The City of God. Oh. And I'm yeah. only and the and, and it's it's like a you know yeah. five four inches thick oh, and then I yeah. open it up and the print is like minuscule. <laughs> uh, again, a classic written, you know, th what, three hundred, four hundred? Yeah. I yeah. mean uh, Augustine, yeah. Augustine. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. He's chairman of the board. <laughs> yeah. If you have a uh, there's there's a couple others uh, uh, that I like. It's called um, Hard Sayings. I think it's written. There's two versions. One is written by Jimmy Aiken. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hard sayings, you know, things in the Bible. There's one yeah. that says why we believe mm -hmm. or what we 
see what we believe, why we believe. Yes, and that's another good one from yeah. Catholic Answers. But there's so many, so yeah. many out there, so many. Well, you know, the, the, the whole thing is that you, know, you look at the twelve-step programs. Yes, they all, they all, the each and every single one starts with the foundation of admitting that you got a problem. Yeah, admitting there's something in my life that is ruining my life. And I just can't control it. I've yeah. tried. I've made a fool of myself, um, and I, I'm sick of that. I, I need some kind of help. And whatever brings you to that state, to be that the, the, the state is actually the being poor in spirit. Yeah. The first beatitude. That's how the beatitudes start with the understanding that, you know, I'm poor in spirit. I need God. Um, and once and so. All the disciplines of Lent, the reading, the fasting, the works of charity, all this is part of that understanding, hey, I need God, I need to change, and I, I need help with it. I can't do it on my own. I, you know, I can't do it by myself. And that's... Um, and it sounds contradictory, but it really isn't. There's strength, yeah, in, the, there's exactly. strength in surrender. There's strength in surrender. Yeah, several, in several episodes, or not episodes, but different places in his letters, St. Paul makes the exact same point, when I am weak... It is then that I am strong, in my weakness I find strength, things kinds of things, back and forth, all around. And on the surface, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, how, yeah. how weakness is weakness, strength is strength. But then when you admit my weakness, admit that I can't, that's when the strength of God comes to you. Because going back to Ignatius, you know, we block that grace of God by the pride of, no, I can handle this myself, I can do this, I don't need that. And uh, no, no, you really do. And once you finally hunker down and admit that, that's when the grace of God flows like a tsunami, really. And that's how we're supposed to live, yeah. not trusting in our education or our training or our upbringing or whatever, anything human, but rather in that grace of God. Yeah. That and, yeah. crazy guy Pelagrian, he tried <laughs> to say that we can all earn our way to heaven. I, I will throw one more thing out. And Father, I'm going to ask you for your blessing if we could in a moment. Sure. But... One thing we might also try to do is to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Take time to be silent. Yes. Take 10 minutes, 15 yes. minutes, go to church, just sit there in the presence of our Lord and just be silent. Yes. Do you have your blessing for us? I do. Well, Lord, we ask your blessing. We ask your blessing of all our endeavors to dispose us well for the grace you will send us throughout this Lenten season. And may the blessing of Almighty God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you all and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Monsignor, thank you so much. Please tell a friend, come back and see us next week. Go and, go to uh, St. Angela Marisi for the speaker series on Friday nights and first Saturday and first Friday, and we'll see you next week. God bless you all. been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.